Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Entertainment review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. talk to a man who is with us that is committed to bringing our families together for Christmas and is committed to your family. Committed by giving great entertainment, helping you to connect with things that can strengthen your family, and we're going to take it on with Billy Hallowell. You may know him from many of his political, cultural books, uh, hearing him on different television shows and radio interviews. He's uh, written books like Fault Line, A Seismic Shift in Culture That is Threatening Free Speech. He's written many other books, and he is the Director of Communications and Content for PureFlix.com. You know, we reference PureFlix quite a bit on this program. Billy, happy holidays and a Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You as well. Let's talk about some of the films that you might recommend. Absolutely. Well, obviously for the littler kids, right, you've got um, all sorts of different amazing cartoons and shows like VeggieTales. There are Christmas-themed episodes of that. There's Ryan DeFrady's. I mean, there's so many. All of the shows you know and love that are Christian kids shows, many of them are on Pure Flix. You know, and then you have shows, and this is going to sound interesting, but I want to pitch this for Christmas because I think when we talk about Christmas, Obviously, the greatest story one of them ever told is the birth of Christ and that this real-life event that transformed history. The events that lead up to that, the Bible series, you know, Mark Burnett and Roma Downey, their Bible series takes you through all yes. of the biblical events that bring us to that, right, and beyond. And so we've got the Bible series there. Um, and we have very great Christmas titles, tons of films, Christmas with a capital C, um, which really gets into the nativity debate that we see unfold um, sometimes. Christmas Angel is a great one with Kevin Sorbo. And yeah, again, there's so many films and shows that you can watch and dive into as a family. And of course, we have a great giveaway uh, from Billy Hallowell, an early Christmas present, offering one of our listeners a giveaway of a two six-month subscriptions to Pure Flix streaming. So thank you very much, Billy. And Lisa, you can let us know how we can get that prize. All you have to do is go to MyMichelleLive.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and in red letters, it's going to say, join my mailing list. Put your email in, click sign up, and you're in for the drawing. It is that easy. Billy, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a lot of fun. You have to come back. This has been pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Would love to. And I appreciate you having me. My pleasure. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. My Michelle Live. Entertainment Review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. Oh, you know we love talking about the movies, especially if it's something new we haven't seen. And this film that I'm going to be talking about, it's the kind of film I love to watch. Themes like redemption and love and courage and forgiveness. And of course, sports. I love a good sports film. We'll talk about why today. But uh, this film brings the excitement of the sports world into the mix and some real life relatable kind of stories. Uh, this film is called The Last Champion and it stars Cole Hauser, who uh, you may know him, starring a along Kevin Costner, Luke Grimes, and Yellowstone in films like Olympus is Falling. He plays John Wright, a man now haunted, not by just by the glory days, but a kind of crushing disgrace that took place. Think of Hoosiers on the mat, all right? We're joined by Hallie Todd. Uh, she wrote and produced the film. She plays a pretty important character in the film that we'll talk about. And you remember Hallie as 
Joe McGuire on the Disney series Lizzie McGuire. Uh, she also she was also on uh, uh, at least one episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. And you know I'm such a geek; I had to bring that in. At any rate, let's welcome <laughs> Hallie. It's good to have you. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, this is a this is a pretty amazing film. I love a good sports film. It it just has such a wide reach. This and this cool thing yeah. about this to me, a lot of folks are talking about it. Congratulations. But what people don't know, Hallie, Thank you. is that this mm-hmm. film puts the family in family friendly because it really was a collaboration of the many talented, recognizable, we all love folks right in your own family, right? <laughs> yeah, my, I I wrote the script with my husband, Glenn Withrow, and our daughter, Ivy Withrow, and people who um, who are fans of The Outsiders would know Glenn from um, from that movie. He played Tim Shepard, which is a, a kind of a pretty important part in the story of The yeah. Outsiders. But he had done um, he had done he had done several films for. Francis Ford Coppola, but The Outsiders is definitely one that most kids have to read that book in junior high school, and then they get to see the movie movie. when they finish the book. Did you love that movie? I mean, that is such an extraordinary movie, unforgettable and timeless. I, I did, and I, um, I, I love that uh, the writer wrote it as a teenager. I thought that was just because when I read it. She was maybe a little, I don't know how much, how long the book had been out before I read it, but she was still pretty young at that time. And she wrote it, I think, when she was 15 years old, S.E. Henson. So that was, that I think was my, you know, from a girl's point of view and a creative person, you know, trying to see how my life would go that direction. That was, to me, the turn on of the outside. What was it like then working with your family on this film? Because each of you have, you have an impressive background in this industry. So you're bringing all of your talent into this project. So it sounds to me like it came together in interesting ways. It was a labor of love, but had to have some wonderful twists and turns in making it happen. Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. I mean, we, we, we're all, you know, we're, it's just the three of us. I don't, I don't, we don't have any other children. Just Ivy is our only daughter. And um, so we're pretty tight, but you know, families get into their family stuff. And when you put on um, a creative business venture on top of the normal dynamics, it definitely heightens the intensity of the relationships, but it also um, lends itself well to being creative because we all are, you know, we kind of finish each other's sentences and, and have that, going as well you know just a, a an intense closeness but it, it's it's rough in the sense that you know everybody wants their idea heard and considered yes. and um and not and we all as as much as we are all on the same page most of the time not always you know so there's that push and pull but we we do solve them problem solve very well together and you know it's the art of compromise and you know <sighs> It works out in the end. <laughs> Hallie, could you teach that to the rest of the nation? We could learn a little bit of that lesson on how to just keep going, work things out, because <laughs> yeah. you can't give up on family. So that you might need to write a book about that, you know, as a as a follow. No, you can't. You can't quit your family. No, but we, I mean, it is an ongoing lesson. So it's not like we've perfected it. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's just we're we're individual people. So coming at it with our own perspective too. Amen, I, I, don't, I can't claim to be, uh, we've, we've figured it out and healed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, The Last Champion is, uh, it's kind of my kind of film, so I'm really excited about talking about it. But there's a life story that utilizes uh, the struggle, victory, defeats of sports as a backdrop. In this case, uh, wrestling. And we often tout on this show, yeah. Hallie, that sports is kind of like an analogy for life with all of that struggle and going for the win, but not always getting it, but uh, but uh, struggling right. through anyway. And that may be why films like The Last Champion are so um, popular and so relatable. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the story itself. Um, 
Well, it's about a man who, uh, in his you know youth, was a star athlete. He uh, went on to college and was a star in college, a wrestler, and and got made the Olympic team and medaled. And because of just a moment of weakness and uh, bad decision making, he used steroids and was disqualified and had his medal stripped from him. And after that happened, he just kind of uh, shut down and um, yeah, just left and didn't want to face everybody because he came from a very small town and they were all depending on him to basically put the town on the map with his stardom. And um, he failed at that and couldn't face them. So he just lived a life of kind of lonely exile for uh, many, many years until his mother passes away and he has to return as her only son to take care of her house and her property. And in doing that, he has to face all those people who have very strong memories and still hurt feelings. And not only were they, was their pride shot down, but many of them cared about him and were abandoned by him. So he has a lot of kind of uncomfortable moments he has to face and, you know, overcome and they have to overcome. And it's interesting. Glenn was a wrestler in high school, my husband, the director, and he, Ah. um, he loved it. He was really good at it. And he had always wanted to make a movie that really honored wrestling the way he experienced it. And he had, um, you know, seen all the wrestling movies and liked them, but he always felt that there was something that had not been shown. And so when we were um, kind of putting together the story and we knew we were going to do an inspirational drama and decided it was going to be a a sports drama, it was definitely always going to be wrestling. There was no way it was going to be football or basketball or anything. It was going to be wrestling. And he has always said that, you know, the term grappling is a wrestling term. And people in this story are grappling. They're wrestling with, you know, John's wrestling with his demons. And, you know, Michael Miller is wrestling with this um, this disadvantaged home that he comes from. And everybody's got their, their stuff. And so he always felt like wrestling also was just a really good metaphor for the story that. It, wow. There, that this. Yeah, it sure does. And and this story uh, with the redemption of uh, going back and trying to get uh, trying to find that redemption by um, grappling with his own demons and deciding to help the next generation. That's where a lot of this story takes us. This is an inspirational story. I have to say there's not another uh, wrestle- movie set with wrestling like it. This is definitely not all the right moves. This is, <laughs> I think you'll really no. like this, but let's talk about where more of that inspiration for this story came from. Um, you know, we wanted to talk about I've always been fascinated with what the experience is when you, when you've done something in your life that you feel shame about and regret. And if you don't find a way to make amends immediately, you can do some really destructive self-talk, you know, beating yourself up internally about it. And, I've always just been fascinated with what, what do you do? How do you get on the, to the other side? Of and um, especially if you, he, he just shuts down and leaves. And so there's no, like, there's no opportunity for him to make it right. He just kind of hides from the problem. And meanwhile, you know, has kind of a running narrative in his mind about I'm a loser. I, you know, yeah. I disappoint people. I'm a bad person. And, what do you do if you're if you're not equipped with the tools right and so we wanted to show we wanted to do something in a small town because we felt like if he came from a big city and had to return to a big city he would have more opportunities to hide and get in and get out um deal with the house and then leave but he can't because he's just so you know, there, everybody sees them every, it's a tiny, tiny town. The shot, the town we shot in is a population of 650 people, wow. maybe not even. 
And um, and so it was just how do you get to the other side of that? And what is the path to redemption? And is it um, is it the community coming together? Is it divine intervention happening? Is it a little of both? Is it him having just opened himself up to let love in, basically? And he's got a very tough shell. And what is the thing that breaks it down and makes him uh, hungry to let people in again? And that just well, was a fascinating thing to me, and, and to try yeah. to keep it as an everyman story, so everyone could see yes. something in this that yes. would hit home, hopefully. Well put. Yeah. I, I agree with with that that sentiment because it is played out, and we as the audience experience it. It's everyone's story. And you come to conclusions and hope in your own story in the very same way. Decisions that you make, uh, divine intervention, all of those things come together in all of our lives. You've also assembled a phenomenal cast and crew. We mentioned your husband, your daughter being a part of the assembly. But uh, other than that, you also have... Uh, Olympic gold medal wrestlers, Dan Gable, Randy Lewis. Yeah. Uh, you have some great cast members that are wonderful actors. I mean, what was that like getting all those folks together? It sounds like there was a little divine intervention there too. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was uh, part of the, just the, the, the best, the best my favorite part of it pretty much was yeah. was meeting all these people and watching them take these characters and bring them to life and i mean we we were seeing a lot of people we didn't know who was going to play john wright and um agent of mine represented cole hauser uh, who, who uh, agent that had been my agent in the past but i was not current with him but he saw that i was doing this and he called and said hey i would love to represent this for you at the agency where i'm at and then we represent cole hauser and i think he'd be perfect for this and we were like not really familiar with cole's work we didn't follow his career or anything we were like yeah i don't know we you know sure we'll meet him i didn't want to you know nix it because and glenn didn't want to nix it because we were we were open but when cole walked in the door for the meeting it was just a meeting he wasn't going to you know audition with the script or anything yeah. Because he's not that he's past that at his point in his career, but he walked in for the meeting and Glenn was like, uh, "That's it, that's it, it's him." He walked wow. in the door. You know, John Wright just walked in the door. Yeah, so it was it was fantastic. And once he was on board, all the all the other things fell into place. Um, Annika Marks, who plays Elizabeth, his old playing from high school, was uh, just she's a phenomenal talent too. And Randall Battenkoff, who plays our our um, uh, adversary, or our nemesis, his nemesis, um, and he and Cole had done school ties together when they were really young actors. So it was fun to get to them together to um, to act together again. They have some wonderful scenes in the movie, and all the young people are really good. The young kids, Peter Ronarotti plays the coach, and he's he's fantastic. I've loved him for years. It was it was just really Bob McCracken plays the pastor. I mean, I just love the talent in this film, and I. I told somebody the other day, you know, I was pretty involved um, with Glenn in the editing of this movie with our editor. And I never, ever, because you have to watch these things over and over and over again. And I never got bored of watching these actors <laughs> play their beats. I just couldn't get enough of it. Loved and we it. don't either. Yeah. We don't either when we're watching it. Oh, it's I, I just have to, I, I really you. well done film. I watch a lot of these, you know, I have to review a lot of films. And this is a, a new favorite of mine. And man, I, I love oh. a good sports film. Hoosiers, remember the Titans on my, the top of my list of great sports films. Love this is one movies. of them, right? This is one of them. Love, no, love I think, movies. yeah. Anytime you put together a, a film that uh, has has uh, like a faith element to it, it seems like mm -hmm. miraculous things actually do happen. And I have to tell you, Hallie, that I've interviewed hundreds of people. Every single person that I've asked this question of has had a miraculous story, something just crazy awesome that's happened during the filming or production of the film what's your story oh my gosh there are so many stories and right? I, I hear I that all the time or it's a, so cool <laughs> it's because it was it was like all we kept saying is um 
doors kept opening when they shouldn't have opened. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Um, I mean, yeah, like Barry calling me about coal. And then, uh, and then we were, we were trying to do it the year prior and we weren't quite ready yet. So we said, okay, let's just wait. And, um, the town where we shot the film Garfield, uh, that year it ended up, they didn't even get a snow. So it was all well and good that we didn't do it that year. And then the year that we did it, they got a 17 year record snowfall. So the town, everything just, it was like, Oh, magic. Yeah. That was meant to be that we waited. And then, uh, 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 well, Cole got Yellowstone right after we finished this. So we didn't, he wasn't, I mean, (sighs) he just got so elevated in his popularity that like, we were like, Oh, thank you. (laughs) Right. That was another thing. I mean, I don't even, I can't even count honestly how many things that felt like um, we were blessed with on this project. Just the fact that everybody got along so well when we were up there and we did form our own little community in that little town and still feel like a community, you know, um, yeah. even past post-production and through the marketing and everything, everybody's so tight and so invested and really, really loves the movie and wants it to do well. So just, I think you, know, you don't always have that on a, on a show, you know, no. people go their own separate ways and forget about each yeah. other, but this has not been like that. It's, it so is miraculous. It's really special. I, I've heard a lot from folks who have done films like this with, with a, a real powerful message, a faith element that they may be the producer, but there almost seemed like there was a divine executive producer kind of calling, calling the shots and, and, and helping things happen. I mean, I feel dumb right now because I can't even, it's all we've talked about through this is, oh my gosh, that's just otherworldly that that happened. I mean, that's not, that's not human. That's God, you know, through the whole thing. It was like, we were like, this is, this is almost like, I I mean, it was, it was definitely that warm feeling you get inside when you know something is special is happening and and you're being you know favored in some way and there's so many Ah. moments and I'm just blanking right now but those that one with the snow was like and also my um my husband a a really close friend he's like my husband's best friend was um he's sort of like the unofficial mayor of Garfield and that's how we found Garfield was visiting him and his family were good friends of ours and he helped us mail all those locations and and find all the people and connected us with all the people. And he passed away of advanced um, prostate cancer like four weeks before we started shooting. So we always felt like, and he wanted it to, he wanted this movie made so badly and he was so invested in it. And we were so sad to lose him, but also so sad that he didn't get to see it completed that we definitely felt like we had an angel watching over us because of him um, the whole time. Cause it was in his, I mean, some of the, places we shot in were his actual personal homes you know what I mean so yes. um like yeah and yeah oh, so yeah Ellie, it, there were so I, many so many things this is why you listen to interviews like this because you sense all of those things when you see the film and now you know why because we sat down with Hallie Todd who is the <laughs> producer and writer and one of the characters this has been so much fun talking with you quick question because I've oh, kept you too. longer than I promised that I would and I apologize okay. for I'm that sorry, but this I is good stuff much. oh no you don't get out this is a blast uh, <laughs> what is in the works in the future I know you're wrapping up this and this is where your head is at right now but are you working on uh, other than I hear there's a reboot of Lizzie McGuire uh, which is kind of exciting, but any any other projects? Well, we're we're uh, putting together what we're going to do next, which I can't talk about yet. But um, okay, so that's been. But the, you the, will come back and talk really... about it, right? You will come back and talk oh, about yes. it. On, oh, yes, oh, Okay, okay, I will. And we, you know, <laughs> we started the we started the Lizzie McGuire we started the Lizzie McGuire reboot um, last year, and um, we shot the first two episodes of of the the first season and they decided as was all over the news that they wanted to put a pause on it and re um, rework some things behind the scenes and then COVID hit. So um, that got put on hold. And so, yeah, so we're, we're still waiting. I think, uh, I think it's going to happen. It's just, it just had to have this delay, but um, 
but I've been told that it's just in development again, and it's it's there's going to be an announcement I think soon about something, but um, I don't know what soon means. <laughs> it could be well, it could be tomorrow. It could be next year. Right? I have no idea. We'll look forward yeah, to it. But, but and... I, I, I'm not. I don't think anybody's giving up on it. Good. Sorry. And next, and say? whatever's ha- whatever's happening next, uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. You just be in contact with me and we'll be excited to share it with our listening audience. You are so much fun to talk with. You are delightful oh, to you. watch. You too. But you know what's crazy is you're oh, delightful you. to watch. I mean, you, I, I have to, I, of course, I make that reference to Star Trek because that was one of the to- first times <laughs> that I really fell in love with your acting because you were playing, uh, if you're familiar with the next generation, uh, Data is this android without feelings and in, uh, intellect, mm-hmm. uh, this android with great intelligence. You played his daughter, uh, another character without emotions, but such an emotion part and I thought wow that chick can act so I I've really enjoyed oh, you're so kind. right Thank you. <laughs> I've really enjoyed you that's very and nice yet I had no idea you were such an amazing person to talk with so now I'm a big fan and oh. I appreciate your time today thank you so much and thank you for uh Thank you for being so supportive about the film and and um, and helping us get the word out there. And, and I'm so glad you enjoyed it. We're so proud of it. And, and just want everybody to see it because we feel like there's a message that can be, you know, it's a, such a hard time right now. People are going through so much um, pain and loneliness and suffering and division. And this movie is, it is about community and love and forgiveness. And, and we hope that it can be a healing, you know, moment for people who are really hurting. Absolutely. The Last Champion, you can find it on a host of digital platforms. I mean, just Google it and it comes up and it seems like everybody loves it, especially me. (laughs) Hallie, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Everybody go to lastchampion.com and all the links are there. My Michelle Live, Entertainment Review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. Well, don't roll out the red carpet for me. You might want to roll it out for our guest. Pretty cool stuff we have in front of you today. This is a weird time, but this is a cool guest. This Scottish mentalist is a renowned illusionist and performance artist. Scott Sylvan is with us. And when we can't gather Scott still gets into our homes and into our heads. <laughs> so I don't know if I have to put my tin hat on or what, but get ready. Scott Sylvan is with us. Scott, hey. It is great to be with you today, Michelle. Well, happy uh, day to you, and I'm excited about what is in store for us. Scott will be streaming his show, The Journey, each show between December 15th and the 20th, courtesy of the Seattle Theater Group, where if you go to stgpresents.org, you can find out how you can get tickets. It's going to be amazing. I mean, you've played stages worldwide, then boom, the pandemic. So... You're bringing your newest show, The Journey, virtually to a select few cities. This show takes the socially distant out of being socially distanced. It's interactive. That's right. Very much so. And I knew when I was creating this show, I wanted it to feel like my live shows. I wanted it to feel as immersive and interactive as it possibly can be. So what we've created is this custom uh, landscape and software that allows the audience to be projected into my own home with me and make it feel like a live experience. So we have the audience projected onto the walls. If I want to interact with someone, we can pull that audience member from the wall into the space with me. So it's both technologically and hopefully illusion-based, uh, very magical experience that audiences won't have experienced before. See, I knew in this time of pandemic and when the world just seems like it's go- spinning out of control that it was going to be the creative people and the people like you who think so far out of the box, you probably don't even know where this crazy box people people talk about is. 
I mean, that's kind of what I see here. The It's the creative people who are going to be thinking, all right, how can we take this and make, not only make it work, but do something that's never been experienced? I think that's what you're doing here. Yeah, very much so. I um, was actually serendipitously in Seattle in March when the pandemic hit. Uh, and I was scheduled to do a three-week run there. We'd finished my first week. And then, of course, COVID hit. And I thought, well, I'll go back to Scotland and visit family for a couple of weeks until this all moves away. And then I'll get back to touring again. So I came back to Scotland, uh, realized that it wasn't going away. And uh, we pretty much had to cancel 500 shows through to 2021. Yeah, pretty intense. So I I realized fairly quickly that uh, I had to pivot. But more importantly than that, I realized returning back to Scotland, this place of my childhood, this place that inspired everything that I do today, it's, it's a place of you know mystery and wonder is woven into the landscape. I thought maybe I should create a show that speaks to this time of people returning back home and reflecting on places that they are spending time in. It's a really profound moment for almost the entire world to be experiencing the same thing at the same time. So that really was the genesis for the show. And then we, uh, we began building it pretty quickly from there. So you've done something actually pretty amazing because you as a person had to reinvent. This is your life. Mm. This is your business. So on the business sense, you need to think about, okay, what can I do? That speaks to all of us because all of us have had to, in one way or another, have to switch gears and, again, yeah. think outside that box. But you've also done something for the rest of the world, found ways that we can really make something absolutely work. So I want to give you kudos. And I want to talk about something in your show, The Journey, you've utilized, as you alluded to just a moment ago, the myths and legends of your home country, Scotland, and you weave these tales and wonder and give it to the rest of us. Tell me about some of the stories that fascinate you and you weave into your experience in The Journey. Yeah, very much so. So I I grew up in uh, the west coast of Scotland, and it's a place of really majestic and mythical landscapes. And what I think is really beautiful about Scotland is in a a time we exist right now where everything is so easily explainable, these myths and landscapes of Scotland have have so much history that's permeated through them uh, that I find deeply magical and really inspired me as a kid. So the story I share in the narrative of the journey is a myth I heard as a kid about a little boy leaving my village um, and going on a journey himself and discovering something extremely magical and serendipitous on that journey. I don't want to reveal what it is. You'll have to come to the show to find out. But (laughs) the audience will, (laughs) the audience themselves will realize that they are also going on their own journey. And the sort of boy's narrative and my narrative and hopefully the audience's narrative all weave together to create this impossible experience. So it's not just me sharing my own childhood experiences or the childhood stories that I heard in Scotland. It also allows the audience to have what I hope will be a deeply personal experience as well. All right, let's talk about uh, Scott Sylvan, the little boy. What and and growing up, what cultivated the desire to be an illusionist? Because I am really curious about what influenced you. I mean, I get fire truck down the road. Oh, I want to grow up and be a fireman. <laughs> I mean, you know, what 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 happened to you? I mean, in a good way. In a good exactly. way. <laughs> No, I get it from my mom all the time. Don't worry. Um, It's it's true. It is a really strange career choice. Um, So firstly, was definitely growing up in Scotland, a place where myth and mystery is so much of its identity. And I I grew up in those landscapes that just seemed endlessly magical. And I remember constantly seeking wonder in the world. But I suppose the strong catalyst was my granddad. Um, When I was five, he he showed me a, a, a little trick where he took a piece of candy I had and I signed my name on it with a Sharpie and uh, he made it vanish and appear in a matchbox on the table. And I was just flabbergasted that it was incredible. He told me the secret. It was horrifically disappointing. But I, was, I was kind of hooked. But I, I realized that you could take these everyday objects and create an impossible experience from them. 
I also quickly learned that my granddad only knew two trades. So he, ta- he taught me those two trades. And then <laughs> that was really the, um, the starting point for me where I, I just began on my own discoveries. Um, and then when I was 14 or 15, I, I studied hypnosis in Milan. Um, I went on a hypnosis course there. I didn't tell my mom I was doing it. And I uh, told her I was going to school trip for the weekend and got a bus uh-huh. from Scotland to London and then a bus from London to Paris and then over to Milan. <laughs> And it wasn't until I started doing interviews, Michelle, that she found out that I had actually made that made that trip. It was very Ouch. strange. Ouch. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, Mom, I'm heading of... off to law school uh, this weekend, so. <laughs> exactly. Oops. Could you not just hypnotize her and make her think you were, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's such a good idea. I should have at the time. Right? It was, it was really strange. Yeah, like coming back as a teenager after that sort of formative trip, uh, having these hypnosis skills and weaving those into the into the magic I do. So as you said, uh, as a mentalist, people often ask, what is a mentalist? How is that different from an illusionist? Really, you know, they're all under the same uh, umbrella of the mystery arts. We're all creating impossible experiences. But mentalism, unlike traditional magic that maybe involves card tricks or people in boxes, it, it's much more personal. It, it involves audiences, memories and emotions, and we create impossible illusions from that. So the hypnosis really helped with that. And then I studied theater at university and, and graduated and sort of weaved all those skill sets I got together and, yeah, do what I did today. The amazing thing about your shows and why I think it's so important in this crazy time is it really does become a personal experience. It takes us out of our own circumstance and gives us a sense of awe again. And going back to being little boys and little girls, we experienced that when we were kids, that when you watched a a magician on the stage pull flowers out of a magic wand. And, you know, now as we're older, we know how that how that trick works but you never lose that kind of feeling of oh wow so that is what you do but you're doing it I wanted to go back to how you're making this an inter literally an interactive experience you bring us into your home which is transformed with projections and and sound and design People can get a ticket and your whole family can watch, but one person uh, would be involved in this interaction. So if you want more than one person, you know, get, get more than one ticket. So you have, you have those, that, the opportunity, but there's an actual interaction like, uh, like being in the show and you picking someone from the audience. Yeah, very much so. So it's, in essence, the experience is I, I invite 30 people to travel virtually across the world from their home to my own Scotland. And the whole oh. show is us going on, indeed, an adventure that explores the, the power of home and memory and connection. And we use their thoughts and imaginations as the guide on that journey. So as you say, it, it's not like a, a Zoom show or a streaming show where you're just watching passively you are very much a part of and an agent in that experience. All 30 people get a chance to be involved in that journey. And we think just really wonderful, wonderful feedback from audiences saying it's, you know, the closest thing to live theater they've experienced, which is really special to me. It's it's what I, you know, really seeked out to create and create a new form of connection as well. There's something very powerful every night of seeing family members or friends seeing one another in the same space projected on the walls or taking part in an effect and maybe they haven't interacted with each other for months and now they get to take Mm -hmm. part in what i hope will be an impossible and extraordinary experience together scott something else that you're doing that i think is really profound you are bringing this theater experience and an interaction to people who may have never darkened the doors of the theater, maybe physical limitations, mental limitations, even in some sense of financial limitations. And you're bringing that experience to people who may never have had it before. And I think that is fabulous using this time, which otherwise would be a negative to something positive. Now, something positive that maybe you could do, I I don't know, you may say 
no to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. We're going to be getting together with friends and family, maybe even by Zoom or whatever. And it's been a dark time. So I was wondering if maybe you could be like your grandfather and you could give me a 101 on illusionism as an amass. You're you're like this master illusionologist, and I was or mentalologist, and I was wondering if there was something you could teach me. <laughs> to wow my friends and family during the holiday celebration. <laughs> we will need to speak after this podcast and I'll teach you the secret. But I can, <laughs> I can teach you something pretty simple right now that we could all try. Um, okay, this is something okay. that you can do at home with your family. So you need to have free hands right now, so don't do this while you're driving. But essentially, <laughs> um, you're going to take both hands, and everyone can do this at home as well. You can do this with your family. Now, don't do it just yet. But in a moment, you would tell your family member that they're going to clasp their hands together tightly, almost as if they're praying. Um, and then you would extend your two index fingers, so there's a little space in between them. And your mind is going to tell you that these fingers will not connect. But you're going to tell your family member that you want their imaginations to take over. And the more that they stare at that little space between their two index fingers, their fingers will connect. So we can try it together right now. If you clasp your hands together tightly, as tightly as you possibly can, almost as if you're praying. And now extend your two index fingers so they're both pointing up and there's a little space in between them. And now stare at that space in between your two index fingers. And as you stare at that space in between your two index fingers, your imagination takes over as those fingers now begin to move closer and closer and closer together. And it's almost imperceptible at first, but then your imagination takes over. And the more you try to resist, like two magnets, those fingers move closer and closer and closer together until everyone's fingers will just connect together now. And that's the whole experience of the show. That, that is so cool. Using the imagination to allow people to connect. So you can try that around the, the Christmas table this year, hopefully. I like that. Thank you. That is so cool. I like my imagination. <laughs> maybe we need a little bit more of that as well. And maybe taking the journey with Scott Sylvan can help reawaken that little kid awe and a little bit of our imagination. What else would you like, and my final question to you, what else would you like to leave our audience with? Well, the hope is that in these difficult times that when people come to this show, they will see the power of connection and the power of new forms of connection and realizing that even in fragmented times, we can come together and create something extraordinary. And that's all I want to take from this show. So I can't wait to invite you all to the journey. I can't wait to see it. Scott, man, it has been so much fun. You're not just this cool guy, but you're a lot of fun, too, like in real life. Oh, thanks. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I appreciate it. And I hope someday in the future I can see a face-to-face. You know, if I, I, I'd love to sit in the audience, but, man, I'm looking forward to this virtual experience. So thanks a lot. It's been such a pleasure, Michelle. Great talking to you. Go to stgpresents.org. That's where you can find tickets for Scott's The Journey, streaming December 15th through the 20th online. deep in our entertainment review. I love this time of the year because there's a lot to talk about and we couldn't pick a cooler guy to talk to it with about talk to it about with talk yeah you know what i mean here he is getting <laughs> us plugged cool. in you into the movies this is adam hole oh i never get tired of that even if i'm slightly <laughs> embarrassed by it <laughs> i know i know me either never gets old never gets old hey thank you for hanging out with us and getting us plugged into the christmas season so much to talk about i'm kind of there's excited a lot to talk about yeah you know there's there's a lot going on. And even though the majority of the movie theaters around the country are, are shuttered again and restaurants are closing down again. And, you know, all the reasons you ever had to go out are pretty much evaporating and we're all <laughs> maxing out our Amazon prime accounts. Well, we can't even go to restaurants. Open. We are not allowed in restaurants in our state. Yeah. The, they've mostly shut ours down too. So they're, they're sort of open, but not really, you know, um, but anyway, I digress. I, I don't really need to beat that dead horse anymore because, let's face it, uh, we've been beating that dead horse for a while now. A uh, couple interesting new things streaming this week. One of them is a, a little sort of under-the-radar Christian movie called The Last 
Champion. Have you heard about yes, this one? Yes, I was so excited that we were going to talk about this. <laughs> I'm super jazzed about this movie. I uh, spoke with the writer and actress. I have viewed the movie, and to me, I'm... I, I'm jazzed. It's a Christian film. It is a, yeah. it's filled with faith and beauty and it's in the vein of Hoosiers. You know, that yeah, old no, I, who did not love yeah. that. Exactly. And, and I sort of, uh, in my review of it, I said that uh, it's sort of it, more of the second half of the movie than the first half I thought is sort of Hoosiers meets the karate kid. I mean, it, it definitely has that, sports underdog comeback redemption vibe to it beautiful Um, so hallie todd hallie todd was on with us just in case i i didn't mention her name but uh yeah she was on with us talking about she's the writer isn't she one of the writers she's a writer along with her daughter her husband directed they came together as a family to make this happen it's it is really well done too yeah, it's really well done. I actually, uh, this I guess reveals my cynicism and jadedness a little bit. We've all seen Christian movies that mean have well. a nice message that bless that their you heart. Get done and you, you want to say bless their heart, right? Yeah. This is not that movie. Uh, it stars Cole Hauser, who people may know from Yellowstone. He's done actually a lot of things, um, and he plays a guy named John Wright, and he is a disgraced former Olympic wrestling gold medalist. That's a lot of adjectives. Um, but he has gotten busted for using performance-enhancing drugs. And and he's just kind of a sad sack drifter mess, really. Uh, and he comes back to his hometown uh, of uh, Garfield, Washington. I don't know if that, is that a real town? Is there a Garfield, Washington? I don't know, actually. It would be really small. Either. Yeah, well... Well, I think anybody who has grown up in a small town, this will feel familiar. Yes, actually, let me we... let me just say, yes, actually, I know that there is because uh, Hallie was okay. saying that this this film came to be because of uh, someone who had set them up and really believed in making this film. That was his hometown. He passed away before they could make it happen. So it's kind of dedicated to him. And so I just okay. looked it up. Garfield and I'm if I'm broadcasting from Seattle, Washington. So it's in Whitman County. So it's over there in eastern Washington. Uh just a yeah. real small town, population under six hundred. So there you go. Little bit of movie well, trivia for you. I think that anybody who has grown up in a small town, I grew up in a town of about 7,000. My mom's from a town of 500. My dad's from a town of 2,000. It's easy to romanticize small towns like all the Hallmark movies do, but the dark <laughs> side of, of small yes. towns is everybody knows everybody's business. And so John comes back, he's disgraced, and he has, you know, he was the hometown boy who did, you know, made good, but now he has embarrassed the whole town, and he really... He gets a fairly chilly reception from everyone except a local pastor, uh, an ex-girlfriend. I, I think she's an ex-girlfriend. It's not 100% clear. Uh, and his old wrestling coach really start him on a path to redemption and forgiveness. And he's home because his mom has died. He's selling her estate um, or her home and farm. Um, but, but he comes back into a town that's like, man, what are you doing here? You got a lot of guts to come back here. And uh, and he's I think what I liked about the first half of the movie is um, I think Cole Hauser says about three words in the first half of the movie. He doesn't talk mm-hmm. hardly at all. And but he does this thing with his eyes where he just looks wounded, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and and then it moves into a story of redemption as he becomes the coach of the local wrestling team and he helps a struggling young student. I loved it. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, I am. It's one of my new favorite sports films. It, uh, right up there with Remember the Titans, which is my all-time uh-huh. favorite. I That one never gets old. And kind of like your I'm Pretty Cool, and this is Adam Holtz thing. And I also love Hoosiers, and this has the feel yeah. of that. Something else it has the feel of for those who like the kind of rom-com uh, Sandra Bullock movies. Do you remember a movie called Hope Floats where she 
was the local beauty queen and she came back her husband had cheated on her found out on a television show and so now she's just she's not only feeling disgraced and having to go from big life to back to hometown but people who felt dissed by her or were jealous of her fame really had to remind her that she's not only back to one of us she's probably less than one of us it had that that feel as well yeah it does i mean um cole hauser's character runs into one other character in town and it's pretty pretty clear that this other not so nice guy relishes the fact that you know now he has something on on john wright and you know you were all you were all that and and look at you now and kind of shames him and manipulates him and yeah it definitely has that kind of feel to it but i think uh overall a pretty good option for families a tiny bit of profanity it's a little on the gritty side for a faith-based movie and and there's one scene where some high school guys jump another high school kid and man they beat him it is a tough scene to watch so those are i think the main content cautions well and then there's another woman who is an alcoholic as well and we see that she's constantly drinking and smoking so uh, for some families that could be an issue that they want to deal with and it should be something that you take into consideration but let me pose this that that gives it a very gritty real genuine feel that is kind of unique and maybe shall i say needed in the faith-based entertainment realm because if it's too perfect sweet and uh, doesn't show reality i think there is enough disconnect between the world of faith and those people so to speak yes yep no i think that's exactly right and for me for me, the grittiness is a selling feature here because I think it did a pretty good job of depicting reality. And again, growing up in a small town, you knew who the town drunk was. You know, you knew who the down and out people and were. And you, people talk. And that's, you know, the dark side of small town life is everybody knows everybody's business. Uh, so I really liked it, but certainly there could be somebody who's struggling with alcoholism or for whom that's a sensitive issue that you would just want to know that that content is in there before you watch this movie. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you go to PluggedIn.com because you have the long reviews, spiritual content, uh, profanity content, sexual content, uh, an overview of the film. You've actually saved me money back when theaters were open. There were movies. (laughs) I remember one actually this time of the year called The Snowman and I thought, oh, that looks charming. That looks like my kind of film and I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to read up and see what Plugged In said. And it was like, rink, 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 rink. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> word. Not the kind of film I want to see. You saved me. No, I, owe, no. I owe you like 50 bucks now because you saved me that. Because well, that's how much it could have cost, I, you know, with everyone going. You know what, so What they Boom. say in, in the movies, you can... Send it to me in small, unmarked, non-sequential bills, and we'll be good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. So The Last Champion, uh, not really a Christmas film, but definitely a redemption no. film and something that yeah, uh, you, totally. it, it is out there now. I don't want it to get lost in the mix of of holiday films. This film is, to me, a sports classic that you will not yep. want to to miss boom there i said it and it has the most famous wrestling amateur wrestling person in american history which is dan gable who was the coach of the iowa hawkeyes which is where i went to school so for wrestling Uh nerds there's that little easter egg in there that dan gable is is probably the most famous wrestler uh in u.s history and again i'm not talking pro wrestling i'm talking amateur wrestling Uh, there's a fun fact his conditioning program was so insane that at one point, um, and he was an Olympic gold medalist, at one point they tested him and his resting heart rate was 26 and they thought he was dying, but that's how well conditioned he was. So, Dan Gable, fun fact for you. That is really, really cool. You know, and what about wrestling in the Olympics and how it's not uh, – Olympic sport anymore. That was like the hallmark of Olympics. Can I mean, I know we're jumping from yeah. movie to sports, but it was a hallmark right. of the original Olympics. Why on earth? I mean, there, I, I'm baffled by that. Baffled. 
I am too. And in fact, I'm so baffled. I didn't even know that they had gotten rid of it. So well, in uh, 2013, too. the IOC members voted to remove wrestling from the Olympic program. So uh, oh. they said uh, lack of universally known talent. Um, but I mean, you know, who who knows the talent of people who ride the horses and shoot the guns? And right. you know, who knows? Right. Or biathlons. You know, who's your favorite biathlete? Right. Right. Empty there sense. you go. But they also said lack <laughs> of women's uh, competitions in wrestling. So, oh, you know, so that's the real issue. Yeah, I'm thinking, too. So, OK, let's take our sports hat off and go back to our popcorn back bowls. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What what else is out there that's uh, worth getting excited about? Uh, another one um, this week that's out on Apple TV Plus is Wolf Walkers. This is an interesting film. Ah, this is an animated movie. Yes. And it is old school. It's hand drawn. So it's the kind of animation that you and I grew up with before computer animation took over everything. Um, and it is a story set in 17th century Ireland in a small town. And it's basically man versus wolves. The people in the town hate the wolves and the wolves hate the people in town. Uh, now, usually wolves are the bad guy, but here the wolves are, if not the good guys, at least sympathetic characters. And there are these these mythical people that are just sort of a rumor called wolf walkers who are human sometimes, but they can change into the form of a wolf. It's not quite werewolves, even though it sounds just like that. That's not quite what we're dealing with here. But this is a story of a young girl in town and a young wolf walker in the forest who develop a relationship and begin to sort of bridge that gap between these two warring, I don't know what you would call them, not groups of people or tribes, but uh, two different uh, factors. Well, we'll just call them factions. factions. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's beautifully done. This is going to probably be giving Soul by Pixar, which comes out in a couple of weeks, a run for its money for best animated picture. Um, where it runs into some problems, or at least runs into something that Christian families are going to want to talk about, is that it's the wolf culture is very paganistic and it is depicted as beautiful and wondrous and mysterious. Whereas the humans are Catholics, they're Christians and they're full of hate and they just want to kill the wolves and burn the forest down. So this is not a movie that really depicts Christianity in a very kind or gentle light. Um, and so I think that's a worldview concern that if you watch this movie, it will be worth some conversation afterwards. And even though it's a kid's movie, you know, when you talk about wolves and humans hunting and killing each other, there's some intense and some scary moments here. I don't know that I would let a real young, you know, a youngster watch this, especially if they're sensitive to scary images or peril or that sort of thing. So okay. it's one that I think is, is well done. And I think you can appreciate it aesthetically, even while critiquing the worldview in play from a Christian point of view, because it's not kind to uh, to what we believe. Okay, so I, I don't have a problem when there's something that's opposing, but yeah. are we talking hostile? Yeah, I mean, it's in that neck of the woods. I mean, figuratively speaking, it, you you certainly get a, a depiction of the pagan wolf culture as a kind of ideal, whereas you know, the main representatives of the Christian faith are pretty angry and violent and uh, which we know can happen, but that's not sure. a, an honest depiction any exactly. more than, you know, we don't like Aunt Jemima on our syrup bottles anymore. Why is right. that? Well, because we're trying to be better people and we're trying not to stereotype. And that's why I will stay away from a movie like this one. It's one thing to hail your point of view and your worldview. That's not a problem. That's freedom of speech. It's interesting ideas. I want to hear what you're about, but to be hostile to other worldviews, outright hostility, instead of, well, let's challenge it, especially in a way right. that might be uh, indoctrinating to young children. Not, right. not, not my cup of tea, but good to talk about. Now, in our final minutes together, I was hoping that maybe you could give me some insight into some Christian or Christmas movies. 
Well, let's talk about Christmas movies in, uh, you know, every year there are tons of them that, that come out. I think we got 94, 95 new ones this year. And as we have talked about the last couple of weeks, um, if you haven't seen Christmas Chronicles and Christmas Chronicles 2, which just came out, they are pretty delightful. Uh, Jingle Jangled, A Christmas Journey. It's a lovely movie. I mean, really, it, it, it's, uh, it's, and it's holiday themed. It's not a Christmas movie per se, um, but it's another one streaming on Netflix that's potentially worth checking out. I can't remember. I don't think we talked about Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. Just which a is also little on bit. Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's so very is, musically. Is, and, you know, yeah. un- unlike Jingle Jangle, that, what is that movie? The Jingle? The Christmas Journey. Yeah. Jingle Jangle, The Christmas that's Journey. That's it. That's it. I thought that was a, a much better musical of a lot more. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I thought, didn't think the uh, Dolly Parton one was as, as uh, spectacular of a musical in itself, but it's, it's a sweet story. Yeah. And, and then obviously you, as you go back in time, you have a long list of contemporary classics and classic classics, you know, whether it's Home Alone or Elf. Or you want to go back to It's a Wonderful Life, The White uh-huh. Christmas, The yes. Holiday Inn. Have you watched that yet? <laughs> have you watched Holiday Inn yet? I have not watched it yet. Come on. Come on. Well, yes, but we're redeemed, so it's okay, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> the truth is I haven't watched the last two episodes of The Mandalorian. Yet, <gasps> oh, I'm not going to give so. you any spo- spoilers on that. But, man, <laughs> I have really enjoyed it. And, oh, my goodness, the twist and turn this last week. Oh, no. I, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. But, yeah, don't, because uh, I no. haven't seen it yet. All right, we'll talk about I that. Keep asking my son, later. when can we watch The Mandalorian? And he keeps looking at me like a fourteen-year-old does. Like, <laughs> I got to go play Fortnite. You know? <laughs> do, you, do you ever wonder if if their eyes go through a change where they automatically roll and and get, yeah. you know, <laughs> like it's just—is there a change that happens just right in puberty where your eyes actually yeah. loosen from the socket so they they roll at every every given yeah. opportunity? I don't know. Well, hmm. and maybe it's just because they're squinting at you that the movements seem magnified, right? Because <laughs> with my kids, it's like first the squint. And then the eye roll, right? Oh, wow. They got it down. And you need that You need that magnet that my friend has on her refrigerator. Better ask your teenager now while they still know everything. <laughs> you know the magnet we have on our refrigerator? What's that? I love it. Stop. It says stop freaking out because it's just a message that we need every day. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Stop freaking out. Sit down, watch a movie. And uh, if you need some help, we'll get you plugged in. Go to pluggedin.com, movies, YouTube channels now, music, books, games. They've got it all. Pop culture. They'll review it and give you a little inside information, but there's no better or funner way to explore it than right here with Adam Holtz as he gets us plugged into the movies. We'll catch you next week, my friend. Absolutely, Michelle. Always enjoyed talking to you. Now it gets weird. Weird news. Hey, hey, Lisa J, give us some news. I have the best weird news stories for you today. This first one is about Joe Biden getting kicked off of video games. Take a listen to this story. President-elect Joe Biden. He may be having trouble in the political arena. With his opposition, Donald Trump refusing to concede an election the president fairly lost. But now the former vice president might be having trouble in the digital world as well. Nintendo's Animal Crossing New Horizons has been one of the most popular games of the year, where players build custom islands to show off their decorative flair and where friends and strangers alike may come to visit to see them. And for some Democrats, it's been a place to show off their campaign creativity, including representatives 
of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and President-elect Joe Biden. But now Nintendo is changing the rules. As part of their holiday update, they released their new Animal Crossing New Horizons usage guidelines for businesses and organizations. And one of the rules states, quote, please also refrain from bringing politics into the game, saying that any business use of the game that exceeds the rules shall, quote, be permitted only with the separate and express written permission of Nintendo. Meaning these new rules may sink the politicians' islands into a sea of end-user license agreements. Lisa J, you got the handle on the news. Give us some more. I think this next one is honestly one of the funniest stories of 2020. I am all for trying to stay healthy and be safe, but I think this one is a little extreme. In China, they came out with new regulations or recommendations for flight attendants to stay safe and healthy during the COVID pandemic. One of those recommendations was to wear adult diapers. <laughs> Before you leave the house in 2020, you'll likely grab your mask and some hand sanitizer, maybe even a face shield. But for flight attendants who serve under the Civil Aviation Administration of China, they might need to add an adult diaper to that list. The organization recently released the sixth edition of their Technical Guidelines for Epidemic Prevention and Control for Airlines document. It outlines how to go about keeping oneself and others safe while servicing flights. Among more conventional suggestions, such as medical masks, disposable gloves, hats, shoe covers, protective clothing and goggles the document also recommends quote that cabin crew members wear disposable diapers and avoid using the lavatories barring special circumstances to avoid infection risks airplane restrooms are notoriously germy and some who have contracted covid while traveling have suggested the lavatories which were the only places they removed their n95 masks must have been the location where they contracted the virus <laughs> lisa J, our associate producer thank you that's Entertainment Review. I'm Michelle Mendoza. Check out more at MyMichelleLive.com.